Damn, son, where'd you find this? You are now tuning into Bros Let's Talk. Welcome in to the first episode of Bros Let's Talk for 2018. I'm Pat, here with Jimmy and Andy. What's Hello, friends. Hello. We have a lot to talk about, and we had some technical difficulties this morning, so we have less time to do it. So we're going to crunch everything in as quick as we can. Jumping right in. Let's shoot the shit, dudes. Okay, so that song was a lot better back when it was made in the 90s when the Bulls were like winning championships and that's what the lyrics are all about. But Still stands the test of time though in terms of how it sounds. Still a great song. You guys can't see this, but we had a pretty sweet dance off. Oh, just going on its own again. We had a pretty sweet dance off though uh, between the three of us on our respective Skype screens. But yeah, it was pretty great. The Bulls got off to a terrible start this year. They had the worst record in the NBA at a certain point. They were like seven and twenty or something crazy like that. Maybe even worse. Um, they're three and twenty. Three and twenty. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then Miritich came back and they won like five in a row. They were the first they, team they, in NBA they, history to come off a ten-game losing streak with a five-game winning streak. They won uh, ten of thirteen, I think. You know, he was playing solid, hitting clutch shots, playing like a guy who got punched in the face in the offseason and came back with something to prove. But we've now seen them lose four out of five. They got blown out by 39 points to the Pacers last night. And they are again within three games of the worst record in the NBA. It's Perfect. been, yeah, it's been kind of a whirlwind the way things are going of late. But I think the consensus would probably be. They've gotten some value out of Nico now coming back. He doesn't want to be here. They're probably going to trade him. He has no clay, a no trade clause, but it, he seems like he'll waive it to get out of this situation. And we've got guys like Chris Dunn, who's been solid. Uh, Lowry Markinen has been the bright spot for the season, I would say. So we got to focus on developing the young talent that we have and continuing to suck so we can get, you know, I know – Having the worst record in the NBA doesn't guarantee you the number one pick, but it pretty much guarantees you a top three pick. Um, Which is great for this draft. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good players coming out in this draft. And and then obviously we're going to get Zach Levine back in a few weeks and you know hopefully he can come back strong and stay healthy and build some momentum going into next season. But what are your guys' thoughts on the Bulls? They're uptick in play of late, I guess, um, overall, and plans for the future. So logically, when, when you think about this, had they been, let's say, a, a four, five, six-win team as of right now, 
I would be very concerned because we have some really good players on the team right now. Um, we're very young. They're still learning how to play together. But essentially, with Levine, Dunn, and Markkanen, you have three. I believe they're all three top ten picks, correct? Yeah. So yeah. if if we sucked right now, I would be more worried because one guy next year and a guy the year after that, yes, they'd make a difference, but but we'd be a lot further behind the rebuild than I thought we were. Um, we have three top ten picks on this team right now. We have some other complimentary players. We are not. We don't have a lack of talent. I mean, we do overall, but we have some talent right now. So we should have won those games. We should see Chris Dunn learning how to be a true point guard who can facilitate. You know, when it comes down to it, take the final shot and make a big basket. And we should see Markkinen be the second coming of maybe not Porzingis, but you want to put him close up there. So I'm screw I'm really Porzingis, excited. dude. I'm I'm aiming for Dirk 2.0. All right, there you go. I mean, yeah, that's, that's fine high. also. I just, I, would, I am glad that they're within three games of of uh, having the worst record. I like seeing close games like they had against Cleveland right before Christmas where they lost like 118, like 115. I want them to be competitive, but I want them to lose. At the same time, for their psyche as a team, they need to win. I mean, sure, as fans, you want to see them tank, but they have to go play those games, and it's all three of us have played sports in some form of uh, competition in our life, and it sucks when you don't win. So for them, I'm happy. For us, I'm happy. I think this is turning into a really good situation. I think the organization, and especially Hoiberg, um, has kind of realized that the tank is definitely on. Um, after they rattled home, I think it was six or seven straight. Seven in a row. Yeah. Um, it was... In one of the games following that, they went into overtime, and I can't remember who they were playing against. Um, but, Pat, like you said, Miritich has kind of been the spark for this entire um, winning streak and winning ways. Um, they went into overtime, and Portis, who had been playing well, and Miritich both didn't see the floor for the last five minutes of regulation and all of overtime. Was that against so, the Pelicans? It might it might have been I I don't recall but they were both red hot in that game and it looked like they were at least trying to not like Fred got go a call from above or, like hey ex- get them exactly. off the floor um so I'm I'm happy about that um like I I get that you want to be competitive in a game and I don't I don't think that they're actually going out and being like hey you need to you need to throw this one right. Or anything like that, but Hoiberg has the control of, you know, putting out maybe some guys that need some playing time, or um, maybe not the guys that are shooting the best in that game. So, it, to me, it looks like they're actually embracing that. Um, that game specifically was a very good example because they were playing so well for those uh, that streak of games, and then this one out of nowhere goes and benches Miritich for the last 10 minutes of the game, and so. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes me happy if that is true, that they, they know where they are, that they have to tank in order to get better, because at this point you have good young players in place, but they are still at the point where they're learning to play together and kind of figuring out their own. You know, we mentioned Chris Dunn, how, he was in a situation last year in Minnesota where 
you know, we saw it here firsthand that Tibbs just doesn't really play rookies a lot and doesn't put a lot of trust in them, even though Chris Dunn seems like a guy that he would love to have underneath him. You know, he's a good defender, a, a long point really guard, good defender. tall point guard who's uh, has an aggressive mindset. Um, but you know, we'll take it. This is this is the Absolutely. kind of, this is the kind of guy I think people expected coming out of Providence, and now you're seeing him flourish when given the opportunity and the minutes to go out there and produce, and and just seeing him yelled at stay up, right. stay up, stay up, ice, <laughs> ice. <Yeah>. But basically, <laughs> just getting an opportunity to get out there and develop his game, and I think the idea of him, Levine, and Markinen, and then if you could get a top yeah. three pick, if you can bring in like. DeAndre Ayton from Arizona or Marvin Bagley or, or even Doncic from, you know, you bring in another solid player. All of a sudden you have these three or four really good young players. And then, you know, we talked about it before. I, I kind of joked about it a few weeks back. There's been guys like David Nwaba who's been, who's been getting some solid playing time, but it's a little bit of an unknown. And I actually saw the other day that they just – they just renewed his contract. Yeah, because I saw the other day that the NBA does these efficiency stats and they keep track of um, the most efficient like pairings on the court at a time. It's like the most two efficient players that play together on the team. And David Nwaba makes up like four. He's in four of the top five pairings for the Bulls. So yeah. he's been a difference maker when he's out there. He's just one of those guys who's seemed to spark, been a spark off the bench. And those are the kind of guys that you have to find to where when you do start coming together as a team and start turning the next page, you have those contributing role players like that. My thing is, I don't, I still don't know how I feel about Hoiberg in the long term. You look no, at a lot of these, the yeah, you look at a lot of these teams that are succeeding and it's, they have difference maker coaches and it doesn't seem like Hoiberg is that kind of guy at all. And and to backtrack briefly, think about a guy like like David Nwaba. He can't go out there and play like crap. He's playing for his NBA professional career. No offense to the Bulls, he doesn't give a shit if they want to tank. He has to go out there and perform. Not that he's that much of a of a difference maker where he's gonna carry you for two, three, four games, but there may be games where because of his performance they won, and you can't blame a guy for that, for going out there and trying to make a living and show the other twenty nine teams in basketball what he can do. So that was a point I was going to make earlier in terms of, yeah, they're trying to tank, but they really have some talent on this team. And I think once they get a better coach, once once Hoiberg is done being um, a uh, like a stopgap bridge or a, or a stepping stone for another coach, I think we'll really see this team come together. Yeah, that, that. I'm, I'm that's excited. an interesting point you bring up too because teams like this really do present a situation where – uh, veteran players who maybe haven't gotten a good go around the first time, uh, they're able to come onto a team like the Bulls who has so much young talent. They're clearly just trying to develop what they have and learn what they have. So that's a perfect situation for guys like David Nwaba. And, LeBron. And, and Well, no, I'm talking oh, like sorry. like Justin Holiday, <laughs> like guys to come in and they get minutes. And, yeah, they're on a shitty team, yeah. but they get to come in and get minutes and, you know, get shots and prove to teams that they can play and try and earn themselves contracts. So. 
Right. I think right. the next couple of years we're going to see guys because I watched the game the other night and Holiday was actually he looked damn good. That he was like eight of ten shooting and six of seven from three. I was like against Toronto. Yeah, I was like this. He's a pretty yeah. damn good player, and and that was someone who I know yeah. we had him before, and he was just okay, but he's clearly developed a little bit more since we had him. So even someone like him, it'd be he, nice to see him stick around and be a role player for the team. I think he was best described as he can either shoot you in a game or out of a game, which is. Hey, we'll like take JR's it. Smith. Yeah, when we uh, when when I would like when I watch sometimes we'll we'll drink you know have a drinking game to the Bulls and it's you watch when Justin Holiday goes completely outside of the offense and just like I haven't shot the ball in three <laughs> times I'm getting the ball up no matter what <laughs> you you're pretty drunk by the second quarter it's great. <laughs> All right, um, transitioning on to our next topic. Um, kind of consumed um all of the sports world when it happened um i believe this was thursday morning the story came out or maybe it was friday morning i think it was friday um, morning. i can't remember um there was rumors coming out thursday night then that espn was publishing an article about the new england patriots friday morning uh that article came out and like i said took the entire internet by storm it seemed like the story basically is telling of the unfolding of the New England Patriots dynasty with feuds between Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady, dealing with um, Tom Brady's TB12 brand and his sidekick slash assistant slash life coach. Slash weirdo. Um, I forget his slash very Alex Guerrero. And convicted felon. Alex Guerrero. Um it's it's a wild story. Um, there, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and Brady made a three-way joint statement saying that they stand together, and much of the article is false and doesn't hold any weight. Um, I think we kind of talked about this when the article came out. Um, that I, at least personally, I read the entire thing, and it sounded like a lot of it. There's no reason for me to believe that it's false or made up or anything like that. Um, I think a few things might be stretched out a little bit, um, but I it makes sense to me. Makes what, a ton of sense. All the things that were that were written in this article. Um, Belichick, uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade happened because Brady was worried about him coming for his job, and so Brady ran to Kraft. Kraft went to Belichick. Belichick then was seemingly forced to, to trade Garoppolo, according yeah, to this Brady article. Brady comes off like a huge um, jag in this article and a total prima donna. Yeah. 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 Big and time. I think that's accurate, though, from the last few the years was that he's been around. Ugs, I mean, he hasn't. Come on. Hey, Mike he wears Uggs. No offense, Mike. <laughs> Much love. Uh, I will say, I will just come out and say the Ugg boots that Mike got for Christmas. They're, they don't they don't look terrible. They look like guy boots, they and they are definitely the comfiest thing I've ever worn. But that's the beyond the point. The comfiest thing I've ever tried on. Uh, Sorry, Andy, didn't mean to take that. This away episode from. of Bros Let's Talk <laughs> is sponsored by Uggs. Yeah. Big ad read. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, that stuff all really, Pat. What you said about him coming off like a jackass. Um, that stuff. It really. It makes sense to me. Over the last few years, I think Brady has kind of lost that. Um, it seemed like he played like a little bit of humbleness um, 
that he was his sixth rounder and he had that he had that fight in him like nobody believed in me but dude yeah he used to like cry when he would talk about the draft day and he would like what it felt like not getting drafted that late yeah anyway the whole story is wild um i believe probably about 90 percent of that article like i said i think a few things were played up because the guy wrote it like a like a novel essentially right about everything unfolding um and i think there's a few assumptions Dude's trying to win a pulitzer prize or something this year <laughs> exactly um but it's it's weird to think about and this dynasty has gone on for so long that it it's almost shocking because nothing in sports has ever lasted this long and now that things are seemingly coming apart um it's kind of a weird feeling to think that it could actually be an internal thing to where these three egos are finally um, butting heads enough to where it could all come crumbling down um, because that was seemingly what did them so well for the last 18 years is that these three put their egos aside and found out how to you know just go out and win championships. Football is the most important thing. But now it's all coming down. Well, I mean, think about it logically and logistically. The, the the Bill Belichick way is I get rid of you before you're done, right? And Brady yep. is coming up on that. And as much as they like each other and as Belichick likes him, Tom Brady is not an exception to the rule. So he knew that. He goes to Kraft to, to prolong his career because he also knows that with his TB12 bullshit that he's selling to people, he can't be let go from the Patriots and be like, oh, look, follow my magic wizardry and you'll play forever. And then they're like, oh, we're releasing you because you're starting to suck. Like, that's not going to work for him. So, I mean, it sucks for him because he's the player. And obviously in most situations, the owner and a lot of times the coach are going to stay and the player's going to go. So he is covering his ass before he can get shipped out or released and that pisses Belichick off because no one's above the Belichick way. So it was kind of in uh, inevitable that this was going to happen. I think that that um, they wanted to keep it as in-house as they could, but I don't believe a word Belichick says. He's a proven liar, He and, and he's a shyster. So I don't believe when they say, oh, yeah, everything's all hunky-dory, everything's fine. No, th- this article probably is mostly accurate, and they just don't want it to get out. And when would we ever have seen Belichick in the past trade two backup quarterbacks within, like, a two-month span of each other? You, so you know there's mm-hmm. something something more behind the scenes that, that was either just uncovered or there's even more to the story that we don't even know. And they got, what, a second-rounder second rounder, yeah. for Garoppolo when they were— they were potentially going to get a top three pick for him if they had dealt him the year before. Right. Like, that's that's absurd. And the little tidbit of the article that I thought was really shocking um, is when Garoppolo injured his shoulder and he went to TB12 to get— And they had the doors locked. —to get healed, and they locked him out. Like, that's just—that's such a wild story. If that's actually true, then— those guys are way bigger dickheads than anything. And Tom Brady's so insecure about his 
starting job that he literally is not going to help a guy that's hurt and wants to use your company to get better. Well, get yeah, the fuck because out his Step his whole horse. legacy was built on him coming in for an injured quarterback and never giving it back. So right. he probably has this right. this insecure feeling that the same thing is going to happen to him. I don't know. I read this article and I was like. Oh, boo-hoo. Poor, poor fucking Patriots. Oh, we've had a dynasty for 17 right. years. We've oh, won five, sure. I we've won five Super Bowls. It's falling apart. Good. I hope a fucking bomb falls on your practice facility and blows up the whole <laughs> fucking organization. You guys have to start from scratch. I don't feel bad for any of those guys. They've no, won 12 games eight years in I. a row. The Bears have been in the playoffs once in the last eight years. I don't even know if it was. It was. I think it was just eight years ago they made the playoffs the last time. I'm supposed to feel bad that the Patriots undoing is happening. Screw them. I hope oh, all no. that's true. I, I, I hope Belichick leaves and goes to the Giants. I hope that Brady tears his ACL in the Super Bowl tomorrow. Fuck you, Kraft. Fuck you, Belichick. <laughs> Fuck you, Brady. You're cool, Gronk. Fuck everyone else. Gronk's the man. I, I think it's. I think it's crazy too that. I think it's pretty well accepted now that Brady would not be anywhere near what he is without Belichick. Correct. I think Belichick's Belichick is the most important the of the tr- of the three. I mean, Brady is going to get exactly. the more accolades, I guess, because but coaches and quarterbacks are like the most prominent, like you know, yep. positions in in football. Because if you're a uh, Super Bowl winning coach, like you're up there with the all time greats, and same thing with quarterbacks. I would say that they yeah. that they mutually benefited oh, yeah. from one another. Yeah, and I I think they're well I think they're both well I think Belichick is aware that he stumbled upon greatness with Tom Brady. Right. Now with all this egotistical shit, I'm not sure that Brady doesn't think that he's the most important piece of that trio. I think he does. Oh, he, they said he the article sure said does. he considers himself right. management. With the Patriots. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, that's I mean, kind of crazy. Has, he has a... All that shit about rookies coming in and calling him... And feeling, and feeling pressured a, to go getting treated by his guy. Facility. It's insane. Realistically, though, um, as far as, like, the Patriots' success in their dynasty, is it... Is is this run that they've been on since, like, what was it, 2001, 2002? Is that arguably maybe, like, the best stretch in sports history by any team. I know as far as like just considering how much things have changed in salary cap and the way they, they retool teams. I mean, it's just so damn impressive. It's annoying though. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Just because it's spanned so long and, and like, you know, the 12 games or, or winning 12 games or better, eight straight years, you know, five Super Bowls spanning over 15, 16 years. I mean, it's insane. I hate them. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Agreed. Let's move on. Yeah, I hate absolutely him. Absolutely Except Grant. All right. So moving on. Um, Pat, Andy, and I, for all those of you, for those of you who didn't know, were uh, we're pretty damn good at fantasy football. So what we did, we brought we brought our collective heads together, and we uh, we decided to to join a team or to join a league three years ago. Um, pretty big money league. We've been taking the league by storm. Is a is a fair way to put it, I believe. Um, so this year we kicked ass. We won a ton of money, um, but that league plays a Week 17 fantasy championship, which is extremely outdated, about as outdated as Doc Martens are. 
But we <laughs> did not benefit from that because we had Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was set because they were a good team and they didn't care. Gronk played, but he finished the season with 69 catches, so we got no catches in that game. <laughs> we still put up a great fight. I think we won high team. Or, high sorry, guy. high guy. Had we won high team, we'd have won the championship. <laughs> so my whole thought was I just think that's ridiculous. I think more and more teams are resting their starters, even if they're not in the playoffs because they don't want to risk a guy getting hurt and have to have surgery, then rehab in the offseason. So I think that championships for fantasy football should be played in week 16. Thoughts? Signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah, there's not really much to argue we're, against here, we're, seeing as we're seeing as we were page. all part of the same team and – had we played, you know, it's kind of funny, though. It's a double-edged sword, like you said, Jimmy, because if, if that league did have a Week 16 championship, I'm pretty sure we would have lost the first round of the playoffs. Um, but our team was good enough to where you're not expecting that, and we could have overcome that easily. Um, who knows? Correct. The matchup could have even been different because the playoffs were a week earlier. Right. Teams could have been different. So it right. does suck because we, this is our— Even if we had won the championship— I, Yeah, I, I would still, still would feel, feel this way, too. Same. Yes. Because this is a this is our third year in the league. This is the second time we played for the championship, and both times we had our like top pick starters sitting out because they had already clinched their playoff spot or something like that. So yep. we got jobbed. We didn't. In the end, we won money, but we could have won more if not for the Week 17 championship garbage. And it's, right. it is. It's just garbage because— those are when like scrubs get in and play and, and put together points, and that's not those aren't the guys you draft to win fantasy championships. You draft Todd Correct. Gurley to like, win fantasy championships. You draft Rob Gronkowski yes, and Jarvis Landry and Phil Philip Rivers Evans, who came in we, strong. We talk about him. You pick up Deshaun Watson who does great until he tears his ACL. You make championship moves. Picked up moves. Robbie Gold, who gets 30 points in one week because he kicks all the field goals. Right? You just make championship decisions. But that's neither here nor there. We're awesome GMs. We'll, Damn good We'll GMs. be back next year with, for vengeance. Oh, yes, we will. All right. All right, that, that, that's all I got pretty much. So I want to talk a little bit about the Blackhawks, who continue to struggle. And let's be honest, at this point, it's getting a little worrisome. We're approaching... The next game will put them exactly halfway through the season at 41 games. They currently sit in 12th place in the Western Conference with a record of 19, 15, and 6. Uh, they're three. Last place in yeah, the Central. Three points back of 8th place, and they do have games in hand, so there is room to make up ground there. But seeing the way that they've played this year, they haven't been able to put any consistent runs together, any like decent winning streaks. Um, which is really what they need. They got to put together like five or six straight wins to kind of launch themselves up there a little bit. But they haven't had a lot of consistency uh, other than pretty much Kane, um, who's always been solid. Even, you know, Saad and Taze have both been up and down. I think Debrinkit's been pretty solid in his first year up with the team. But uh, you just really haven't had a lot of consistent contributions. And then now with Crawford being on IR, uh, he's he was their MVP undoubtedly this year. Uh, he oh, was sure. he's he's pretty much the main reason their record is what it is. So while he's out, they're gonna have to figure something out to keep at uh, keep their head above level water until he gets back and can try and carry them into the playoffs. I don't know. What do you guys think? 
I've been watching some more games lately. What are you seeing that's that's not working, or what what can they do to try and turn this thing around second half of the season? So I have also been upping my um, viewings of Hawks games as of recently, um, and it looks like this team is going to go as far as their top line takes them. Um, you know that second line is going to produce with Kane on there no matter who he's paired with. But the last few games, um, I'd say maybe the last three or four, I've thought they've looked like the Blackhawks of old that we expect them to look like. Um, and that is because Jonathan Taves has been playing well. Um, I think him um, kind of getting that little bounce back, I think he's starting to sense that urgency. And as the captain, he needs to elevate his play. And he's done that the last three or four games. So I think that is a huge deal for him to um, start going with that. Brandon Saad has been a relative disappointment, um, but that's the same thing. I mean, he's on that top line, so hopefully once Tave starts going, Saad will pick up as well. Um, I think calling up Vinny Hinestroza has been a huge deal um, because he has been great, and he's given that spark to that top line. So... Vinny up on that top line, I think, is going to give them the spark that they need to start scoring. Um, and then, like we said, that second line is going to always produce. And Sharp scored in back-to-back games. So we just talked about him the a couple episodes ago where he was about to be healthy scratched. And now he's starting to score goals. So maybe that gives him a little bit of confidence for the third and fourth lines. Um, it's it's really unfortunate that Crawford is out right now because I think the offense has been playing a lot better. So it, Pat, it's like you said, it's a little bit of a sense of urgency, but they kind of have to keep their head above water right now while Crawford's out and hope he comes back sooner rather than later. Um, but they've got to start stealing some games like that one against. Vegas yeah. You gotta have that. They had a couple leads where they just gave it up right away. Yep. That's that's a huge that's a huge one where and Vegas is good. I'll, I'm not gonna yeah, knock them good. or anything like that. Um, so those are the ones where you kind of even if you steal a point, I mean that's a huge right. Like that's the thing you got to start team, at least. That's missing you got to come away goal. with at least a point in these games. You can't just be losing yep, straight absolutely. up like this all the time. Yeah, I'm still just. I don't know, and I've said this before. It's because we're spoiled. I'm still not. I'm. I'm more concerned than I was the last time we talked about this. But I will. I will really be worried if, let's say, six weeks from now, we're still roughly where we are right now. Like if we're talking the, the end of February, uh, beginning of March, and we're still right around 500. You know, not making a ton of headway. Then I will be worried. Um, I think Crawford comes back and and continues to play like he had been playing. And if that's the case, I think we will be fine. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm just not I'm I'm there's there's more concern, but I'm not overly concerned. I'm just kind of in a wait and see and especially with this team, man, just just make it to the playoffs. If we make it to the playoffs, we have enough veterans and enough experience in there to I think caused some damage. I don't think that we're going to win anything this year. I still think our window is open. I think we have another two to four years with uh, with like Taze and Kane and Saad. Um, Duncan, 
poor Seabrook, man. That guy just he can't even move anymore. It's it's well, it's and honestly, that bad contract. That's what has me concerned is that our defense does not look good yeah. at all right now. Yeah. And um, yeah. I mean, Duncan Keith has been in one of the best defenders in the NHL for years now, and I know that um, he's never been a huge scorer. He's more of an assist guy, but this he has he went like twenty some games right without he has no goals right now, and I know he's he not still a, has no goals, no goals, and I know he's not a huge scorer. But, yeah, but you know, on, this is a guy who – exactly. And then Michael Kempney is a guy who I thought was going to be an important player this year if the Hawks are going to be any good. He hasn't really been that good. Um, Connor Murphy isn't really progressing like fans were hoping. I think they're definitely missing Nick Jalmerson more than people – maybe not more because I think we expected to miss him. But I thought there was a play in the game against Vegas the other night that was like – the perfect epitome of the defensive situation right now. And it was um, Connor Murphy and Brent Seabrook were on a pairing together and they literally both fell down within four seconds of each other. So, um, and Vegas had a pretty good opportunity. I don't think they scored, but you know, when you got, you got a pairing of defenders falling down on the ice, not even, you know, not even initiated or anything. Seabrook, I feel like we're seeing that a lot more out of him. He's kind of losing his footing and, and like you said, Jim, it's tough seeing someone who's been so important to the organization, and so beloved, and had and so many huge moments in big games. So many huge moments. Uh, just kind of losing it here, and you know, and, then, and that's what you said. You know, they might get to the playoffs, but they might not beat anyone. And it's like that's disappointing because we've come to the standard where we're expecting to make runs in the playoffs. And if you know, if we get in and lose again, that's three years in a row, first round exits, and that's. That's not what we've come to expect as Hawks fans, and it's kind of disappointing seeing that they can't overcome these hurdles like they used to. Right, but but big picture, 31 other – is there 32 NHL teams or 30? There's 31 now. 32, right? Oh, 31. With You're Vegas. Right. Okay. So, so 30 other NHL teams – would take what we've done the last 10 years. Oh, no doubt. Times no doubt. Time. I'm just saying it's so, like one of those things where no, we're no. spoiled from it, and now it's like this For is our sure. reality, exactly. so we kind of have to accept that we're not that same team right now. Right, which we're kind of the, the patriots of hockey. People don't feel bad for us that we're not winning Stanley Cups every other year and making it to the playoffs every year. It sucks for us, but again, I think we're logical sports fans. Meaning well, you know us, what, so Jim? We can when you're a Sox fan and you don't have the Cubs now in the playoffs every year and you're a Bears fan and they're never in the playoffs and you're a Bulls fan and they suck now and the one team that you have to depend on for postseason success and happiness and high fives and man hugs is the Blackhawks and they suck. It makes everything suck. You're right. I'm I'm a I'm a different man now being a Cubs fan. Whatever. We're moving on. I don't want to talk about the Cubs. Fire that fucking pigskin! Alrighty, we've got NFL talk. It's uh, we're we're running, we're running low on these gentlemen. We've only got a few weeks left of the I NFL know. and BLT. It's so sad. Uh, I don't really know what's going to happen to the podcast after football's <laughs> over. <laughs> now, we'll find plenty of stuff to talk about. But Plenty of stuff. Movies, wrestling. Wrestling. We got this. Uh, Jimmy, spring training. Yeah. NBA. Uh, minimal. Minimal. Gravy, baby. Producing catcher's report like tomorrow or right, something. It's, like yeah, it's soon. We'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, so um, 
I want to talk about the MVP race. Um, I think that before he got hurt, it was undoubtedly Carson Wentz. Um, I think now it's going to really? go. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think it was undoubtedly Car- Carson Wentz before he got injured. I think him getting hurt and seeing the way the Eagles played, it should still be Carson Wentz, in my personal Doesn't opinion. Doesn't he still lead the league in touchdown passes, even though he hasn't played the last I think, weeks? yeah. He still has more than Brady this year. So, Tom, as we've been talking about, Jagoff that he is, but still still pretty good. He's probably going to win. Um, I think Gurley should have been in the conversation. I know it shouldn't play into it, but I think yesterday's performance, even though he played fine, um, will hurt him a little bit. I think not um, playing Week 17 is going to hurt him too because he could have had the rushing yes. title. And Agreed. Could not agree with you more. I think... Antonio Brown maybe should be in the conversation, but again, he got hurt, and you just don't see it to receivers. Has a, has a receiver ever won the MVP? No. So, I don't know. See, that's that's the reason why I was so shocked by you saying that about Carson Wentz, because I felt before he got hurt, Antonio Brown was the lock for MVP. See, but... Because that guy, I can't I even feel really like argue just, that, even though I think I, it was. Yeah, I don't want to. I, really I don't want to argue against Brown either, because he was having a phenomenal season. But you got to look at it from the sense that the Eagles completely turned that franchise around, and the biggest difference was once one from a quarterback who had 16 touchdowns and 14 interceptions last year to a guy with 33 and eight. So, I mean, his play is really what elevated that team and got people believing that the Eagles were actual Super Bowl contenders. I'm like super jealous of Carson Wentz to be honest. Like if if Mitchell Trubisky could be even like 50-60% of what Wentz was this year, next year for the Bears, I think I would be happy cuz Wentz was great shape. ridiculous this year. And it's not just and obviously you saw what happened. Like the way he plays is the reason that he got hurt because he isn't aggressive and he and he makes plays on his feet and he's going to need to learn to slide a little bit more, but it's just that athletic ability Makes you able to. There was one play that he had against the Bears where it was like oh, they called. Dude, I will never he faked that. the screen, faked the screen to the left, and completely just like shed the entire defense. Turned right and runs <laughs> for like twelve yards. It was it was the craziest that thing I've that, ever seen. That spin move, yeah, you're talking yeah. About? Where he fakes the throw to the left and then he completely yes. spins like. That's a play that Trayvon LeBlanc is coming on a blitz. His back is to him. Yeah, he cannot see him. He, but he pre- feels basically it flips him over his back a, almost, yeah. and was it was amazing. just like that. You you can't teach those type of things. And I think he's going to win an MVP before it's all of a sudden done. He might not win it this year, but I think this is a preview of of he's the next big guy in the NFL. I I, I really believe that. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, he was he was he was certainly fun to watch. Um, the play that stands out for me with Wentz, um, it was on a primetime game, but he was being tackled to the ground. Oh, and he threw His it? His body was at like a 45-degree angle, and he threw the ball like 40 yards in the air Ridiculous. and hit a guy double. Yeah, his knee was, was like literally an inch off the ground when he let go of it. Yeah. Just all arm strength, and he was accurate enough to make the completion. It was crazy. Ultimately, though, I think Anywho. you're right, Jimmy. I think Brady's going to end up winning it. And I don't really think he deserves it this year. Um, but I don't. I, don't really I would. Either. I would rather see Gurley win it, to be honest, just because. Me again, too. you see Agreed. the way that that team turned around, and I know Sean McVay came in and really revamped everything there. But the main thing that he did was figure out more ways to get the that ball in Todd Gurley's hand. This is a guy 
who didn't have a receiving touchdown in the NFL coming in this year. I'm pretty sure he had eight this season, and he had 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Longer than, yeah, than more than 50 yards. 30, 13 rushing touchdowns. I think he had 21 total touchdowns. So, I mean, this is a guy who he showed flashes his first year, came in, set the league on fire. Year two, came in, they kind of had nothing else, so people packed the box. He couldn't do anything. All of a sudden, you start utilizing him out of the backfield. Because this is a kid who, in high school, he won like the 100, 200-meter hurdles in the state of of Georgia, I think, which is like really competitive track he's, and field state. He's a pretty big guy, oh, yeah. too. And when he gets out in the open field, he's just burning Dude. Oh, people. you saw it yesterday even in the game. When he hits open holes, he, yeah. he just glides upfield. It's pretty crazy. Yep. So it's a pretty good transition into topic that I just wanted to talk about. Obviously, the postseason is upon us, and it kicked off on Saturday with two games. We had first the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans, a game which saw – uh, the Chiefs get off to a hot start. Uh, they took a twenty-one to three lead in the, uh, early in the first half or second half, I think. But Travis Kelsey uh, was knocked out of the game with a concussion at the end of the first half. He had a touchdown, almost a hundred receiving yards, I think. And you saw the second half, the Chiefs had nothing. The Titans ended up coming back from an eighteen-point deficit and beating the Chiefs twenty-two to twenty-one. A game which also featured one of the craziest plays that I've ever seen in my life as Marcus Mariota rolled to the left, threw the ball towards the end zone. Darrell Rivas jumped up, made a nice play on it, batted the ball down. Uh, one of the other defenders shoved Marcus Mariota to the left, which ended up catapulting him right into the football where it deflected. So he caught his own pass and dove in for a touchdown. And that was kind of the turning point where the the Titans really needed a score there to get back in the game. And they did. Their defense held stout, and they were able to pull out a tight one. Kansas City, what a disaster that ended up being. They they looked like the best team in the NFL at points this year, and then they lose four in a row. They end up going 10-6 and and just putting up a complete dud in the playoffs. You guys mentioned before they'll probably go with Mahomes now moving forward, and who knows – how secure Andy Reid's future is there after two years in a row now, really disappointing playoff appearances after winning the division. Um, it's wild, great game man. though. I, that team, that team just blew right? my mind. They have a lot of talent, and Kelsey going out to be honest was the difference because he is such a difference maker out there. And I think if he's out there in that yep. second half, that other the backup tight end dropped a few passes that Kelsey pulls in and probably runs for like twenty yards after too. So. You know, it's tough to when you lose your your one of your best offensive players like that. It's it's tough, but at the same time, it's a no excuse league where it's always next man up, and you got to expect that you know guys that are in the NFL are going to make plays when called upon. And definitely, um, I was also mentioning to Jim before when you were figuring out your computer that I felt kind of bad for the Rams getting dealt the yeah. Falcons because. It just seemed like a matter of time that the Falcons were going to hit their stride offensively and get back to what they were last year. And I think the the Rams just kind of ran into a buzz. Yeah, and they never really had a chance in that game. I mean, they the Falcons, once they scored, they kept their foot on the gas, and they just always had kept yep. it just out of reach that entire game. And, yeah, I mean, the way Atlanta played yesterday, if they can play like that moving forward, they, they could definitely get back to the Super Bowl. I mean – They've they've got all the pieces in place, and 
And it's going to be tough to have to go into Minnesota, especially it seems like, and win football games. But um, think about how crazy that is, actually. Minnesota, because who knows what's going to happen with the Eagles next week with Nick Foles under center. But Minnesota Atlanta's gonna beat has a chance to be the first team to play every home game in the playoffs, including the Super Bowl. They'd be the first home team to play in their stadium for a Super Bowl. Obviously, a lot of football has yep. to be played, but it's kind of a cool thing that could happen. And I think you look at the NFC, no one really stands apart. And I think Minnesota, the way their defense has been playing, they they got to have as good a chance as anyone to get there. So it's exciting. We'll see what happens with today's games. We got the, the Bills and the Jaguars, which is just the most ridiculous matchup Insane ever. Insane to think about. They, uh, the Bills Mafia was all in Jacksonville's head. They were banning the sale of folding tables of out-of-state residents. So Bills Mafia, in in turn, started checking their folding tables on their flights. It's amazing. Um, this is going to be great. So great. Blake Bortles, uh, the Jaguars were kind of an enigma all year. They had stretches where they seemed like a really great team. They also had games where they put up duds and lost. Their defense is phenomenal. Calais Campbell is probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, maybe. I think he should, if not Aaron Donald. But um, I don't know. That that really seems like that's going to be Blake Bortles' game to win or lose because that defense should be able to hold up, especially with McCoy being not 100%. So I'm excited for that. Two franchises that I haven't seen the playoffs in a little bit and uh, the Bills since like 2000 or something. So should be an interesting game and then we've got uh the what's it's the oh the Saints and the Panthers so third time That'll they've fun third game. time they've played this year so not as exciting but should be a good game to watch definitely um all right moving on to our last topic something that I am just absolutely shocked that we have to talk about um a few weeks ago we talked about the Cincinnati Bengals finally cutting ties with Marvin Lewis and well, lo and moving behold, him into a, a front office role is what we thought was going to happen. Yes. Right. Um, lo and behold, they go out and give him a contract extension. Pardon my friend, but football you're an team. asshole. <laughs> Just an absolutely unbelievable move. After all the shit that we were talking about, how we couldn't believe that this guy had a job for the last like five or six years, he should have been fired a while ago. Um, they he finally says he's going to step away from the team, and then they bring him back. There's there's a ton of head coaching candidates out there that are willing and able to take over a franchise. They'd much rather take over the head coaching position of the Bengals than they would of the Browns. Yeah, like. This is just such a wild move, and I read a few articles about it that apparently Cincinnati's ownership is they hate change. Um, They would rather stick with guys that they know are going to not give them a hard time as far as running the team and things like that. So that was a main reason why, first, they wanted to keep Marvin Lewis in the organization because they knew that they could kind of use him as a puppet. (laughs) But now they're giving it's like him a so embarrassing contract. if that's true. Dude, like, look at how do you yeah, think how do you think Bengals fans feel about the fact that 
Mike Zimmer, their defensive coordinator, left, went to the Vikings. All of a sudden, they're a perennial playoff team with a good chance of playing the Super Bowl this year. It's like you have guys like that in your organization. But, yeah, we're just going to let Marvin continue to run things. We're, 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 we're happy being, you know, 8-8 eight and eight at best, maybe 9-7, and seven, squeaking into the playoffs every once in a while. What a disaster. Dude, he, he must have some some pictures of the owner doing something he shouldn't have been doing because this is just insane. Good for him, I guess, it's, but insane. It's unbelievable. Uh, I, I know. I'm sure at this point next year we're going to be having conversations about Marvin Lewis still being in Cincinnati and how they sucked again. So some things just oh, never change. Yeah, for sure. Especially because if Andy Dalton is a quarterback. Yep. Got the Bills in the playoffs, though. Truth. All right, so next, um, one of our favorite topics around here. It's actually like um, a hybrid topic. Um, yeah, since Andy, yeah, Andy's yeah. going rogue, wants to uh, wants his own topic here. So we're doing what are you doing, but Andy's doing riled up. So whoosh, whoosh, slash, slash. I'll go first. Man, you're first. All right. Um, so mine goes out to the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders or Vegas Raiders. I don't really know what they're planning on going by. Um, but they... Were a surprise team last year. They went twelve and four. Um, they made the you know won the division, made the playoffs, um, and then ended up losing. People thought they could make a, a serious push for the AFC Championship and uh, be a serious threat to the Patriots this year. They had a young quarterback in Derek Carr who showed a lot of promise. They have the reigning Defensive Player of the Year in Khalil Mack and a stout defense behind them. They brought in hometown hero Marshawn Lynch. Uh, they got Crabtree and Amari Cooper on the outside. Everything was trending upward. Uh, and then they had a disappointing season this year, to say the least. I think they ended up 6-10. and 10. Um, And in doing so, they end up firing head coach Jack Del Rio one year after extending his contract four years following last year's success. Um, So... They make the move that was early speculated and then quickly came together and they hired uh, ESPN broadcaster, former NFL coach John Gruden, the grinder, bringing him back to Oakland, a place where he coached for four or five years before they traded him to Tampa Bay and he came back to bite him in the ass and beat them in the Super Bowl. So he's coming back to the Raiders, um, but this goes out to the Raiders because they are bringing him in with a 10-year, $100 million contract. And don't get me wrong, I know John Gruden's very well um, thought of in the football world, very smart offensive mind, had good success in the NFL, mentioned he's a Super Bowl-winning coach. But to bring in a guy who hasn't coached in the NFL in 10 years and give him a 10-year contract worth $10 million per year, to me... Seems a little bit out there. Um, like I said, I know he was successful in the NFL, but this is a guy who was like 25 games over 500 in his first five years coaching and then five games under 500 in the last five years he spent coaching. Usually when guys get out of coaching and stay away for a little bit like this, there's good reason for that. And I think that the reason was because Gruden's last couple of years when he was in Tampa, were not as successful as the beginning of his tenure there. So for them to go and kind of give this guy the kitchen sink right away 
and give him that big of a contract. I could see him maybe giving him a short deal and then extending him when he proves that he's still capable of that. But to come off the bat and uh, and just throw that much money at him over that amount of time, I can't really say it's surprising because Mark Davis is probably like the weirdest dude ever, but Oakland Raiders, Vegas Raiders, whatever you call What are you doing? Jim, go ahead. Okay, so mine uh, occurred yesterday on the taping, two days ago when, when you all hear this, but Sean McDonough, who we uh, Pat was talking about, um, is a Monday night football announcer, and they had, ESPN had the game for the Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. And there was a play earlier in the game, I don't <laughs> I don't remember who it was to, uh, where Sean McDonough's voice just cracked so bad. It was on a it was on a fumble recovery. No, that I'm I'm gonna get to that. But there was there was another <laughs> oh. time in the game where his voice cracked, and I heard it on live TV and thought, oh my gosh, did, did that really just happen? So later on, there's like I think a minute fifty left in the game. Um, the Titans are up by one. They're at about the fifty yard line, and can they I think they gave the ball to Derrick Henry, um, and the Chiefs stop him, and Henry if if it was Henry was clearly down. Um, oh yeah, they fumbled. fumbled. Yeah, and I think it was who Derek Johnson. Yeah, former favorite yeah. player Picked ever. It up and is running it back, and they're celebrating. And Sean McDonough is just losing it. And when right before he gets <laughs> to the end zone, he cra- his voice cracks again, like a prepubescent boy who just ejaculated for the first time in his life. <laughs> and it was one of the funnier things I've ever heard on a live call. And then later on in the game, I think right before it ended, um. Sean McDonough is talking about, I think, the play or a different play, and then John Gruden goes, well, at least your voice didn't crack this time and just totally calls him out on it. It was so funny. Um, I'm glad that Sean McDonough went for for the excitement instead of just being like, oh, well, there was a fumble. Derek Johnson's running Not everyone's back, Gus Johnson. Down. Not everyone's Gus Johnson. Um, look it up if you have a chance. It's absolutely hysterical. So as a professional broadcaster – Sean McDonough. What are you doing? So, I I like McDonough compared to when it was Tariko and Gruden. He's like a complete dull dud. Like I think Tariko yeah, sure. is one of the best out there. Tariko's the best. I feel like McDonough does not have good field awareness. There was a, a one play too where um they had a touchdown called back. I think it was the Titans. There was a holding play on first and goal, and there was mm-hmm. clearly a flag on the play. But he's like calling it like it's for sure a touchdown and just like and then all of a sudden he's like, Oh, wait, hold on, there's a flag on the play and it clearly it says flag on the screen the whole time. You saw the ref throw the flag in and it's like, dude, you're like getting millions of dollars to do this job. Like you probably tighten it up a little bit, dude. Just keep it tight. I would love to see Hawk Harrelson and Sean McDonough in the same broadcasting <laughs> I don't care if it was for baseball or football. All right, Andy, let your hate out. Completely, oh. hold on. Completely random. But did you know that Mike Tirico is not black? What? No. <laughs> Explain. Yeah, found that out a couple of months ago. It blew my mind. What do you mean? He is not African American. What? What is he then? What? Of some South South American uh, descent, but not. African American. I th- I feel like he's played that off for so long. Uh, I had no no okay. idea. Okay, interesting. Mike Tirico, not African American. 
You heard it here first. Anyway. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I texted the boys last night. Um, no, this morning, 3 a.m. <laughs> 3 a.m. That I needed to let some hate out. And it stems from something that I ranted about earlier in the year. And that is work emails. Mm. So a while back, um, is I just the, was the donut pretty, thread, the infamous it, donut thread. That that's that's what I bitched about yes, last right. time. Replying all to someone bringing in donuts. So a couple of weeks ago, and I'll say this with a grain of salt: it's very sad when people pass away. Oh boy. But <laughs> there was a woman at the office whose brother passed away and decided to send an email out to like 30 people in our department telling us that her brother passed away. Nobody knows who this woman's brother is or anything like that. Fine. That pissed me off enough, but... Then someone replied all to the death email saying, like, basically thoughts and prayers and, like, we're so sorry that everything happened and everything like that. That was such an absurd move to me that, like, it, it's so weird to send a group a reply all email in the first place. Like, the donuts thing pissed me off, but this, to a... A death in the family email. Yeah, that would definitely makes the then, donut email seem a lot more normal. Like normally, yeah. if someone dies, like you just go to your supervisor and be like, "Hey, like I had a death in my family. Exactly. I'm gonna be out." Like you don't like go like, "All right, type everyone's name in here at work." Exactly. That is a weird move. So, so then the reply all happened, and that was just an absurd move because one. You're replying all to all these people that, first of all, didn't want to get the original email in the first place, then get this other email, then everyone else looks like jackasses if they don't say anything in this giant email thread. So then other people started replying all to this big group email thread. Anyway, that was a few weeks ago. Last night at like 2 o'clock in the morning, once I finally plugged my phone into the charger, my emails finally came through from the day. Someone else sent another group email thread about a death in the family. So now this is just becoming a thing where if anyone has anyone die in their immediate family, distant family, did, everyone in did the they, fucking department. Did they piggyback on the original thread where it's just like they replied no, all be like, hey, now there's absurd. a death in my family too. Oh my God. <laughs> that would have been absolutely absurd. So anyway. the 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 way this works at in my district is if someone in your family passes away, you have the option of telling our human resources department. They will then send a email to everybody, when which no one ever replies to, nor should they. Just saying, hey, so and so lost up whomever. Here are the funeral and wake arrangements. If you want to go, that's it. If you read about it and you know that person, you go or you don't. Nobody replies. 
no one says anything. Yeah. And to me, my whole gripe yeah. with, with what you just said was the person who replied, thoughts and prayers. Number one, you're not going to think about that person after you're done sending that email, and I know damn well you're not going to pray for them before you go to bed. That's such a cliche, oh, thoughts and prayers. Just don't say anything because you know that's a lie. You're just you're, or, you're just pandering. Or just say, I'm sorry for your loss. That's yes. like legitimate. You and know what I mean? Don't reply all yes. to the fucking yes. email. Walk to me, to me, the absurd say, thing is taking happened. the initiative here that this person, like someone in their family died. Like the last thing I would be thinking of doing is like reaching out to my coworker and be like, hey, my family what? died. I would, again, reach out to your supervisor. Let them know what's happening. I'm going to be out of work the next couple of days. That's all. And then and let them the deal with that it. You're close with. Let them deal with it if they want to tell the department that, hey, you know, so-and-so right. lost a family member. And same thing. Like, here's the information for the funeral or to send flowers or stuff like that. Weird move. Weird This move. woman last night literally, I think, was trying to ruin my weekend. And then well, she somebody took somebody – somebody sent me a screenshot. My buddy at work – Two minutes after she sent the death of her father-in-law email, she responded to a work email about something work-related. Two minutes later, like, oh, let me first type up this email about the death of my father-in-law. Oh, by the way, I finished this report for you. <laughs> Can I have those spreadsheets? Oh, Thank you. Oh, Kathy. <laughs> Freaking Kathy. All right, that was a good one, actually. <laughs> Happy you brought that up, Andy. We got to got to let some hate out today. Everyone hates chain emails, texts, whatever it is. Everyone hates them. Don't do them. Think think uh, twice before you include multiple people in your text messages. Hey, Fonzie, I want you to turn left if you come to a fork in the road. Yes, sir. Turn left at the fork in the road. All righty, fork in the road. Haven't done this one in a few weeks. We ask each other questions. Uh, that forces the other co-host to choose one way or the other. Basically, like, would you rather, stuff like that. So, Jimmy, why don't you go first? All right. If given the opportunity, are you taking the career place of Sylvester Stallone as Rocky or Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator? Terminator, 100%. Yeah, I think I'm going Terminator as well. As much as I love the Rocky movies... I don't think they're as iconic as, I mean, specifically Terminator 2. I I don't even care about any of the other Terminators. I'll just go in and take the spot of Terminator 2. Um, I think that's just much a more iconic Plus, you're a fucking T-100, dude. You're a fucking cyborg fucking badass. Rocky just... Terminator 2 is a fucking Rocky just fucking gets in there, throws haymakers, plays no defense... You just, you know, he's all right. It's whatever. Terminator would destroy Rocky. <laughs> Agreed. All right, Andy. Also, I think I'd rather have Schwarzenegger's accent than Stallone. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andy. Okay. Um, mine is, I kind of started thinking about this when we were talking about the playoffs um, yesterday a little bit, and... It is Kansas City Chiefs related. Um, it's a similar situation uh, that the Packers were in a while ago. Granted, they had Aaron Rodgers waiting in the winds, but if you are Kansas City Chiefs ownership, 
Would you rather continue making the playoffs, winning your division with a seemingly decent quarterback in Alex Smith, or at this point, do you now have to sort of blow up, maybe not blow up the entire team, but you definitely have to go a different route because just making the playoffs is not enough. I've always thought this See, was this an is so hard because sports. Alex Smith is coming off probably his best season to be honest statistically in the NFL, yeah. but he is getting older. Um, the thing with them is they have a quarterback in waiting who knows how good he's going to be, so they have someone to throw in, and he's in a situation where he's got pieces like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and um, Kareem Hunt to where it'll put him in a position to be successful. So. I don't know. The NFL is all about results, and it seems like the Patriots are the only team who really care about that because they're the only ones who are like consistently playing for Super Bowls. So I feel like you blow it up. You know, Alex Smith was good this year. He might have earned himself another contract, but you know, first round playoff exits. As as much as a Bears fan as as I would like to see those for my team, you know, when when it comes uh, repeatedly happening like this, sometimes you just got to make a change. So. Fuck you, Alex Smith. I don't I'm know why. I'm with blow it up also. I like you, Alex Smith, but, you know, fuck you for this yeah. situation. Blowing it up. All right. Gone. See ya. I've got a couple different questions that I'm trying to decide which one I want to ask. They're both kind of, like, deep. Like, <laughs> super deep. Deep? Okay. They're deep questions. All right. I'm going to go with. Like, like balls deep? <laughs> I don't know if they're that deep, but. Pretty deep. Okay. All right. So, um, <laughs> if you were reborn in a new life, would you rather be born in the future or the past? Future. Any, any reasoning behind you that? Or reasoning yeah, for that? <laughs> Define past. Period. Um, I don't know. Like beyond yesterday. <laughs> That's a deep question. <laughs> I got okay. Let's let's well, do it like, like this. So like right now, right now we're in 2018. Let's say future 50 years in the future or 50 years in the past. So you get to either go up into 2068 or 1968. All right. Well, 1968 there was no computer porn, so I'm going to the future. <laughs> Fair enough. That's, that's fucking solid. Fair reasoning. enough. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go to the future as well. Um, not so much for computer porn, but just technology in general. Um, I would love to see what we've got going on in 2068. And I don't think I could go back to living without my phone and Twitter and all that good stuff and HD television. See, that's tough though, because could you imagine living in like Southern Florida in the seventies and eighties, just all the booze and cocaine and, and, Drugs and money. I mean, that's kind of tempting. See, okay. If you, what if, if I'm getting what a if, free pass? What if, and I know I can't get arrested. Well, what if, like, when you go to either the future or the past, you don't have any, like, memory, prior knowledge, memory of where you came from. So it's like you go to that time, but you don't know that like phones already existed and stuff like that. I still think the future Man, would probably be cooler, one. but yeah, me too. See, now I'm kind of going both ways with that because if Thinking I went to the Miami past, the drugs too. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's very Dude, appealing. I could go to Woodstock. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. 
So going to the past and knowing that I can kind of live a stress-free life without my phone attached to my hand right? is kind of nice, right? appealing now that I'm thinking about that. See? Yeah. Deep-ass question, dude. I'm still going Jimmy, future, this is balls deep. You're right. I'm not as... It's yeah, a balls yeah. deep question I, for sure. I'm still probably going future too because the whole porn thing. But it would be <laughs> it would be tempting to go to the past, dude. Think about it, though. You go back to the '60s. That was like the period of love. You could just like probably go back to the past. We would get have orgies to live and stuff. that '70s show out in real life. That's true. <laughs> that would be us. That, that's a good point. I'm gonna think on that one a little bit more. Mark, yeah. <laughs> The pick is in. Shakira Kwan, TGIF, Carter. All righty. We have the return of Mock Draft. We've had some interesting episodes. Return of the Draft. Return of the Draft. Solid, Jim. Very solid. Thank but you. we've had some uh, it, you know, different episodes with the holidays recently. And then last week, uh, we didn't have one with the new year and everything. So we're back to Mock Draft. It's been a few weeks. And this week, we decided we're going to do sidekicks. Which can go across not the phones. Yeah, not the phone. Oh, that would have been a good pick, though, dude. Now, oh, fuck you. Oh, both. damn. Andy had that on his <laughs> list. Damn, Jim. Way to just steal his thunder. All right. Oops. Well, I'm gonna pick first then. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, we're leaving it open that's, to interpretation. You know, it could be like anything. Superhero sidekicks. Just you know, whatever. So, um. Andy, we'll let you go first since we stole your thunder there. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, so, okay. First pick I'm going to use on when I first thought of sidekick. He may not be the best sidekick, but when I thought sidekick, this is the first name that popped into my head, and that is Robin. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. All right, go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you think sidekick, you think of Robin. That's right. just yep. That's a great pick. Um, I'm gonna go with R two D two. Okay. Okay. I like that pick. All right. I'm gonna intro my pick with a brief sound clip I've prepared. Oh, cool, man. Okay, hey, that's the power go. you get when you, you are the producer of the show as well as cause. Yep. Uh-uh. Yep, yep. Hey, Powers, you know I'm the one you're supposed to throw it to, right? All right. Right here, come on. Come on, Kenny. I feel 10 feet tall right now and strong as an ox. Who the fuck is this guy? Hey, who the fuck are you? Huh? Who the fuck are you? Okay. All right, so Stevie Janowski is my pick for best sidekick. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties so they couldn't hear the sound clip, but... That was great. Stevie Janowski is the ultimate sidekick. He's loyal like a dog. He uh, Everything he does is to please Kenny Powers and to help grow his empire. Stevie Janowski. <laughs> so Stevie Janowski is my number one sidekick. And then, let's see, that goes me again. All right, I'm going to go another yeah. great companion... Probably the best companion to ever exist, Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the oh, Rings. Wow. He, yeah, he was on my list. Frickin' Frodo is such a douche, banishes such him douche, to keep man. moving with Gollum. Samwise comes back, saves the day when Frodo gets fucking 
caught by the or uh, wrapped up in all that spider web and stuff. He doesn't deserve such a, a companion like Samwise, but he had one, and that's why he's number two. Probably could have been my number one, but I had back to back picks, so I wanted to go Stevie first. Nicely done. Thank you. All right, I'm gonna go with. I actually had Samwise on my list. That so was nicely done. Um, I'm gonna go with Scooby Doo. Now I know you could argue that he's the main character, but I think he is Shaggy's sidekick. So I'm gonna go with Scooby Doo, loyal dog, got his own brand of snacks, dude. Plus his fruit snacks are great. That it's not a ghost; it's just some old guy with a mask. You just you got to give it to Scooby. Crime sniffing dog. Yep. Solid pick. Um, how many rounds do we have? Five. Five. Okay. Um, I am going to go with Luigi. Ooh, that's oh. a good one. Um, yeah, Damn. yeah, real solid good. video game character. Yes, I didn't think um, always the always the weird brother, just hanging around. Got his own video game for some reason, but I always anyway, prefer Luigi. Luigi over Mario. Personal opinion. He had the flutter <laughs> kick, so he'd jump a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah, good call. Okay, um, coming back around. I'm going to go Donkey yeah, from damn. Shrek. Donkey! That's a good um, one. Possibly the best part of that movie. Um, and Eddie Murphy fucking killed it killed, as the donkey it. in that movie. Absolutely that movie is so it. fucking great. Oh, man. Still holds the test of time with all the adult innuendos in that movie. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm going to go with Carlton Banks. Nice. Ooh. The Fresh well, Prince's well sidekick had his own dance. He uh, dressed like a prep, was a daddy <laughs> and mama's boy, but he's one hell of a guy you want on your side. So Carlton Banks from The Fresh Prince. All right. I'm going to go with um, Chewy. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. Straight companion, loyal as <laughs> shit. All the other That's things we said man. about um, Samwise Gamgee, a lot of those same things apply to Chewie. Just a great, great sidekick. All right, and then that's back to me then, right? Yep. Yep. So many, uh, so many good ones. All right, this one is a personal favorite for mine. One of my all-time favorite movies, but. I'm going to go with Walter Sobchak from uh, Big Lebowski. Fuck. Wow. You're out of your element, Donnie. Oh, that is God. wonderfully acted by John Goodman. This isn't Vietnam. Right? There are rules. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'm going to go with one, and I think that Pat is the only person listening to this podcast that's going to understand what I'm I know what you're going to say, dude. I'm going to go. You're going to say Brew? Yes, I'm going to say Brew. From Thunder and Paradise. Martin Brew Brubaker <laughs> from Thunder and Paradise, which was a TV show turned into three movies with Hulk Hogan as a star that Pat and I used to watch oh religiously. Uh, I have them on DVD. I have wa- I haven't watched them in like four or five years, but even watching them that long ago, I was like, "Good God, what were we thinking?" But Brew has to be one of the greatest sidekicks of all time. So thank you, Pat, for knowing that right away. Dude, of course. 
Uh, yep. Is it me? Yeah. Back to back. Back to back. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to go with George Costanza. Mm. Um, could have been taken much Yeah, much I thought earlier, about taking him. But, um, I mean, any of those characters, I think you could throw in there. Um, but that, I mean, that show is made by George, I think. Um, yeah. You have Kramer's, com- Kramer's physical comedy and everything, but George... His entire like round character is what made Seinfeld so great. Jerry's just not the that self-loathing. Funny. Yeah, I don't think. No, what's the deal with all these mock drafts? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, George Costanza with my fourth pick. Um, damn, this is a tough one. Uh, I'll go with Leon from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Hmm. Um, one of my favorite characters to be introduced to a show like post season one, um, Leon Black is so Dude, gold. So in funny. That show. The shit that the shit that he says to Larry is just all time. And if you haven't watched Curb before, you could just go online, YouTube Leon Black's best lines and you will die fucking laughing. <laughs> Just he is so fucking funny. Gotta get in that ass, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I am gonna go with Goose from Top Gun. Ah, that was my—that's what I was flirting with. Goose to Maverick, one of the greatest sidekicks. Unfortunately, he won't be in the sequel. Spoiler alert: He died. I thought there were—I thought there were gay partners in that movie. No, they're just best friends. Isn't that how you hang oh. out with your best friend? You guys play tap or shirtless volleyball and high five and hug each other all the time. Uh, that's that's how I grew up. All right, <laughs> Patrick. Patrick. Um, okay. Wow, that was weird. Whoa. <laughs> Hold on, I'm. I got my Jimmy. I missed one of your picks. That's why I'm all confused right now. God Whatever. I'll pick damn. mine. This is this is the last pick, right? Last pick yeah, of the draft. Yeah. All right. This might be a little bit of a stretch. I would consider him a sidekick. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'm going to go with Turtle from Entourage. I feel That's like I feel like he's kind of Vince's, sure Vince's sidekick. sidekick. He gets all of his stuff done. He's kind of an assistant, but he, he kind of does the dirty work, and uh, Turtle's awesome. So I think any of those guys could have been a sidekick. I feel like Turtle is legitimately a sidekick though, because he literally doesn't do anything else than just like he's, being he's yeah, literally the pretty driver. much. He's a driver and the weed guy. So okay, Jimmy, who did I miss on yours then? You had R two D two, Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. Carlton, mm-hmm. Brew. Oh, Brew. How do I forget Brew? <laughs> and then who was your last one? Goose. 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 Nice. All right. Well, nicely done, gentlemen. I like this one. I feel like yeah. I like yeah. topics like this where they're very like broad, I like it, I like it a lot. and we can come up with a lot of different answers. There weren't, there was, you know, there were some obvious ones that I think all of us would have taken if given the opportunity. But I think we have a solid list. So thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Bros. Let's Talk, the first of 2018. As always, 
Help us out. The best is yet to exactly. come. Exactly. This is going to be our year, best year ever. <laughs> but um, as always, help us out. Follow us on Twitter at Bros Let's Talk. Search Bros Let's Talk on Facebook. Like and share our page. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a damn and Google review, Play. Would and you leave please? a damn review, would you please? Like Jimmy said. Um, and then you can go to our podcast page directly at broseletstalk.podbean.com. For Jimmy and Andy, this is Pat. Later, dudes. See you, bros. Gotta get in that ass later. <laughs> and we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other I just like the same place Nice job, gents. Great to be back.